Welcome to the Virtually Varsity Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jordan Harris and Taylor Red. Welcome back to the Virtually Varsity Podcast. This is our fifth podcast and our first one in a few weeks. Taylor, you were out of the country for a little bit, and I don't think it's coincidence that you happen to be in Paris and Notre Dame burned down, correct? Yeah, I, that's what everyone keeps asking me. So I, I guess, uh, yeah, I won't comment on any of that stuff. I think we should post the clip of you on the local Utah news uh, doing an interview telling him uh, <laughs> what it was. It was really great. You did a great that job. That was the last thing we needed to, uh, to listen to me more. I, I'd agree with that. Uh, <laughs> but let's uh, let's move on. So we had, we've had a couple weeks of action. And to be honest, it's kind of been a couple boring weeks. We've seen no upsets. And honestly, not a ton of, of huge games. I think the BYU-UVU game was super exciting Monday night. The Clemson-South Carolina game uh, was really exciting. So there's been a few exciting games. But they've all ended kind of uh, according to according to the rankings in terms of the higher team winning. Um, yeah, Virginia Tech-Liberty is in that, in that group too. Yeah, Virginia Tech, yep, Virginia well. Tech, yeah. yeah, Virginia Tech-Liberty, a one-goal game. But again, Liberty pulled it out. So I think yeah. we're that sets the stage for some pretty good conference uh, conference tournament matchups. Um, but so far, there hasn't been a lot that's changed. Uh, but something big, uh, the kind of the breaking news from the the uh, MCLA world today was the announcement slash uh, realization. I guess is probably the better uh, way to put it that the PNCLL uh, does not qualify for the AQ this year. So this is something that's going to have ramifications that will trickle down through the entire bracketology world. Um, but essentially, it boils down to this. Uh, in order to be a conference that qualifies for an automatic qualifying bid to the uh, to the national championship, you need to have six teams that meet the qualification standards, which includes needing six D1 games or six games within your own division. So you need to, if you're a D1 program, you need to play six D1 programs, including three out of conference games. And if you meet that criteria, then you're in a tournament eligible team. Each conference needs to have six of those tournament eligible teams. And the PNCLL ended up one short with uh, Idaho and Washington State not meeting the criteria this year. So Idaho had tried to schedule a game. I got some information as I asked around a little bit today. Uh, they had kind of uh, tried to schedule a game for a little bit. They couldn't end up making it work. And so with that realization that it, that happened, um, their, their AQ is gone. And so, uh, yeah, the, so this the teams that this really stinks for, obviously Washington, uh, who's put together one of their best years in, in recent memory for sure. They end up with the one seed to the uh, PNCLL tournament, and all of a sudden there's no AQ on the, the line, and it looks kind of like a long shot for them to get in the tournament at all. Yeah, and I think uh, I've heard a lot of people kind of being a little outraged. Uh, I, I'm going to take maybe the opposite approach and, and say I, I do think it stinks, but at the same time, I've always kind of – it's always been a little frustrating, uh, you know, when there's unranked teams who get into uh, nationals just because they win their conference. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to say we should get rid of the AQs. I think in a lot of ways it's good, uh, especially because you get to see some teams that you may not have seen, like Indiana last year. I think everyone thought that was going to be a blowout. And, uh, you know, they showed they can, they can hang with, you know, some of the top teams – uh, I'll be, you know, for, for just over half, but, um, so in that regard, it's good, but I don't feel super bad for the PNCL. Um, I know Washington's ranked, I think they're 23rd right now, but if you look at their, at their resume, it's, it's the best resume they've had, but it's still not, you know, blowing anyone out of the water. I mean, they lost to SMU, UCS, um, sorry, USC and Arizona. Yeah. And, and Arizona. So, I mean, not like they're, 
uh, it's hard for me to say like they really deserve to be at, at, at the tournament. So, um, you know, those are my kind of thoughts. I, I do feel bad for them, but at the same time, not, not that bad. Yeah. I, I actually, I love the AQ cause I think it helps. Uh, it gives antennas for teams to develop and it has, so it, it's like a stepping stone that's within reach for a developing program. So you're wanting to take a step to the next level. Uh, sure. Uh, maybe right now, the only way you could do that is it, without an AQ. The only way you can do that is to get in the top 16 and get an at large bid. I don't like that. I like saying, Hey, if you win your conference and you're playing for something, then you've got a bid to the tournament. I think it gives a nice stepping stone. The thing that no, I, I think I agree with, that. sorry, I was going to say, I agree agree with that and that's why i don't want to get rid of the aq i like having that i just don't think this is like we should you know uh give them a free pass or change anything i don't think this is like a huge outrage or they've been like it's been stolen away from from washington or or simon fraser whoever ends up winning that conference tournament um so I, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree. I'm not advocating you change the rules. I think the rules are pretty good and they're there for a reason. Uh, but it does, I, I still do feel bad for those teams. So they they kind of came into the season with the idea that it would be on, uh, there'd be an AQ at the end of it and then they can feel like the rug was pulled out from underneath them. Even if at the end of the day, the rules are being followed correctly and I think most people would agree that they're pretty good rules. However, yeah. there's a couple of things I think that are really frustrating if you are one of the, uh, P, the PNCLL teams uh, in the tournament this year. And... Uh, Kind of found these things out as I've been asking around, talking with with a couple of the other coaches today. Uh, the first one is that, uh, I, from what I understand, Idaho was banking on Utah State being a Division One team on their schedule uh, to get, cover the six. That, that excuse doesn't really hold water for me because I knew last January that Utah State was going to be a Division Two team. I think you did as well. Uh, yeah. We talked about that last January, or sorry, last July. Sorry, last July was when we talked about it. Uh, and it was clear last summer that they weren't going to be D1 team. So to me, that excuse doesn't hold water. Uh, and talking around to coaches, there were two different teams that actually tried to line up games uh, in the middle of the season for Idaho that I think uh, was was on the in- incredibly generous side. So you have uh, Brigham Young, who actually ended up with this game on their schedule. It was scheduled, I think, for today. Um, and it ended up getting canceled. But Brigham Young scheduling that game essentially would have taken away an AQ spot that they might need. So that was, in in terms of being benevolent, that was probably too far uh, for some people, some people's likings. Uh, but they did offer to schedule that game that would have kept the AQ in there. Uh, and also I found out that UVU offered not only to schedule the game, um, but to do it at a neutral field in Logan, which would have been closer to uh, Moscow for Idaho to travel to. And they've been talking about this in early March. So this isn't something that just sprung up the last second. Nobody knew about, there were no options. Oh, what can we do? We can't make it work because everybody has finals. I think this is something that was kind of neglected for a little bit. Um, and so I, I do feel a little bit bad for those teams that Idaho didn't come up with, uh, you know, fulfill their end of the bargain. However, this leads me to yeah. my point I want to talk about, and I'll let you uh, go on after as we can come back to this. <laughs> you need to merge the RMLC and the PNCLL. Okay, go ahead, and then we'll come back to my point. Well, I was just going to say, and this kind of goes along with what you're saying, is is I think uh, you, we saw this in the RMLC for a while with, with uh, Utah State, but I think too often there are teams that are really not, in my mind, D1 teams, and I think Idaho kind of falls in that. It feels like they're, you know, if you struggle to get 10 guys to show up, to me, you're not a D1 team. You're a developmental team, which in my mind, that's what D2 is. It's, it's sort of like, a, you know, where teams are, are a little bit more, I don't, I don't mean developmental, that it's, it's way worse. It's just, you know, most of the teams you see there are, are kind of getting their footing. And, and that's to me what Idaho and, and Utah State are. And 
I don't know why Idaho went D1, um, but I know Utah State was kind of pressured into going D1 so that the RMLC had an AQ. And I think, you know, I think merging is a great, a great idea so that you don't have to force these teams that really aren't ready to be D1 to be in a, in, in a D1 uh, league. So uh, Yeah, I think, and we're close, yeah. we're close to that situation with Utah State. So we were able to kind of see how much it was hurting the development of that program. You had kids that we would see in high school locally uh, that didn't want to go and play for uh, Utah State and pay thousands of dollars every year to go and get destroyed by 20-plus goals in all of your conference games. Now all of a sudden they drop down to Division Two and they're a ranked team. They're getting, you know, they're getting press on the MCLA site. Just, it's just a better fit for them. Now I don't think the D2 is developmental in the standpoint of like, I don't think Duluth is there to develop to come back to D1 or St. Thomas or North Dakota State. I think those teams are legit, but I do think that there is a general, uh, uh, a better path for development and more competitive games that, that are there for teams that are developing, especially with small squads. Yeah, so, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, <laughs> and, and so what, what I'm looking at here, and I've been talking about this for years, like this has been <laughs> like my little my little thing, like merge the RMLC and the PNCLL. And uh, some people laughed at me a couple years ago, and here we are. I think we, we've come to a point where it starts to really make sense uh, to get these two teams merged or these two conferences merged. If you look at the RMLC, there are not expansion options to get the D1 program up to six. It's not like there's some teams sitting out there that are on the cusp. I mean, you've got Weber State potentially, uh, who's years and years away. They're a Utah school uh, that's flirted with having a a team here and there, uh, but they never really got it off the ground. I can't imagine that they would be in D1 competitive world for a long time. Uh, and then there's just not much else. You're going to have to go into a different geographic area than the RMLC has traditionally been in. And I think the team that makes the most sense is Boise in the PNCLL. But uh, even if you get Boise, you still need one more team. And then you need to hope that you don't lose any of these teams because you're right on that brink of six or that you have a team that doesn't schedule or get disqualified or any of those things. There's a lot of ways you can lose your AQ. Yeah, I think you could. You, the other team you could add in there is UNLV, maybe. But then that sort of hurts. Same, the SLC same geographic thing and, for for and, Colorado. Yeah. Um, so I mean, UNLV I think is in that. But uh, like, if you look at this year's schedule, I think last year they looked they looked good. This year though, they seem like they're in the same boat as Utah State, where they just got blown yeah, feel- out by most of their. D1 games. Yeah, fielding 11 guys and and their goalie was playing for the first time ever. And yeah. and so part of this is part of this is the the up and down nature of the MCLA. You're going to have teams come and go, especially at the bottom end of your conference. Uh it's just a reality. Teams are going to teams are going to ebb and flow because you're not embedded in the athletic department and that's just an expected reality of the program. So for me, I say look at the SELC and embrace the fact that having a lot of teams doesn't hurt you. In fact, in some ways it makes you a stronger conference. The SELC has been on the way up. Uh, they sent four teams last year. I think it's very likely they sent four teams this year. And I think they produced a model that you could use in the uh, RMLC PNCLL merger to make a really successful league, especially the D2 level. The D2 level, if you merge those teams, you've got two. Uh, the RMLC right now has two um two divisions of D2 teams. The PNCLL has two division of D2 teams. Uh, you take those, you use the same four conference model or four division model that the SELC uses to see the tournament. And at the D1 level, you just do an east-west split. You add Boise to the east with the Utah and Colorado schools, and you let the Pacific Northwest schools, Simon Fraser, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, uh, you let them kind of form the West Conference, take three seats from each team to make your bracket for the tournament. I think this makes a ton of sense. I think it should be put the wheel should be put in motion ASAP for it, um, and I think it would make for a really great, strong conference with an AQ as the carrot at the end of the uh, a, a carrot at the end of the stick. 
Yeah, it's interesting you talk about it make a really strong conference. Someone tweeted, I don't remember who it was, but how the SCLC was the strongest conference because they had so many so many teams. And I, and I almost said something back about how it's easy to have four top 10 teams when you have like 25 schools or something. 21, um, 21, 21. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge conference, but I think it's, it's, I, I think it's like, I, I didn't say anything cause I think he's right. It is one of the strongest conferences. And I, I think, you know, they have a great model of like, who cares if it's 21 teams, they make it work. And, and it is the strongest conference or at least one of them uh, because it has a lot of good teams that you got to fight your way through to be, you know, to, to win the SCLC. So yeah. I'm with well, you. And if you I look think- at, if you look at the percentage of teams that make in the tournament, they're still roughly at about uh, 20% of their teams making the tournament. If you, uh, if you're the RMLC, I, I do think things have changed. I think the RMLC will get two teams in, but there was a while where it looked like it'd be one team. And you're talking about 25% of your conference made it even with four teams. Uh, so I don't think it, it, it's been a huge negative in terms of the percentage of teams making the tournament. Maybe it feels a little bit more distance for some of those teams to get there, but I think it's proven that a big conference isn't necessarily the bad thing we always thought it was, or that it had been talked about for, for, for a few years. I think the SELC is thriving. And part of the things that are cool about that is you actually get more funds into your conference coffers and you can do some cool stuff with your tournament. When you've got four teams at D1, you're not putting a lot of conference dues together to to make your conference tournament really great. And you end up playing at the same venues that that are hosted by schools and and a lot of things that you could do better if you had a bigger conference. So I don't don't need to drone on this for forever, but I do think this is a really good idea. Yeah. The one thing I think you have to figure out is that like, if you look at the uh, map of the SCLC, their four divisions are pretty tight. You know, it's a lot tighter than, uh, you know, each division would probably fit in the state of Utah or Colorado. And so, you know, you're talking about a you know, much bigger area. So, I, you know, I think there's some logistics you got to figure out there, but I think overall, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, some, something to be explored and something that is, is you're going to have to address it forever. I don't think the RMLC can stay at four teams. Eventually a team like a CSU or UVU that's going to continually be on the cusp is going to want that AQ there. Uh, and, who knows who knows if you lose one more team all of a sudden you're a three a three team conference where every team makes the tournament and the first team gets a buy it's not it's not really sustainable uh so there's got to be something done there the but losing the aq let's move on here because we again i could go on about this all day uh but losing the aq there opens up an extra spot on the bubble that that we hadn't really planned on before uh so i had kind of drafted out a few things as i was looking at bracketology and i felt like the amount of bubble teams kind of whittled down like there was only a handful we're looking at but with that extra spot, it actually opens up quite a bit uh, the the last at-large discussion. So now you're talking about right now, the way the polls are currently constituted, you only have two AQs that are coming from outside the top 16. You have the LSA AQ and you have the UMLC AQ, and every other conference has somebody in the top 10 uh, that would be eating up that AQ, which means that the at-large spots are looking pretty good barring some upsets. So what I think would be interesting to do is let's take a look at a sampling of the bubble teams and maybe the entirety of them. And I want you want to talk real quick. Let's talk the case for and let's talk the case against these teams. Um, and let's start maybe at the top of the bubble with a team that I think is virtually a lock. I, there's been some discussion back and forth about it today on Twitter. Um, but let's start with Virginia Tech. Uh, what is the case for Virginia Tech? Well, I think uh, the, the case for Virginia Tech is I think, you know, they have a great uh, schedule put together where they've played a lot of tough teams and they've played a lot of tough teams close. Uh, I think, you know, they've, they are the biggest thing for me that they're missing is kind of a signature top 10 win. Uh, I don't see a top 10 win on their schedule, but they've played teams like Cal Poly, um, 
uh, Michigan State, uh, some of these other teams really close. And I think that's going to go a long ways. But I, the thing that's, you know, the biggest thing uh, against them, oh, Liberty was the other one that played close, is that I don't see a top 10 win. And I think that's going to be a little bit tough um, for me to, to put them in for sure. Well, so yeah, so if we talk about the case for Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech, their worst loss is the Michigan State loss, who, who's currently ranked 14 in the poll. All the rest of their losses have been to top 10 teams, and they've been a couple of them have been by narrow margins. You lost to Cal Poly by one, you lose to Liberty by one, you lose to California by three. California, Cal Poly were all on the road. Uh, Michigan State was a neutral site game. Uh, Liberty was on the road. South Carolina, you lost to at home. I think um, Liberty was at home for them. Oh, Liberty was at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right, yeah. you're right. Um, yeah. But but so on the other side of things, you've got a win over Connecticut, who's proved to be pretty good. Uh, they're a team that's on the at-large bubble. So I think that if it comes down to Virginia Tech and Connecticut, you're probably going to give Virginia Tech the nod. You've got a Stanford win, which after Stanford lost to Sonoma, maybe that's not as impressive as it was. And then Northeastern and Minnesota. So you're, you're right that they're certainly missing the signature win. Uh, but they don't have some of these losses that other teams have that are kind of dragging them down. You know, you look at Brigham Young, they've got a loss to to UCSB, who's unranked. You, Arizona's got the loss to uh, to Southern California. Uh, Connecticut, you know, they they've they right now they're sitting at like four and three in D one games. So it's not overwhelming that they have the case. Uh, so for Virginia Tech, my my biggest case for is like when you look at who they're going to go head to head within the bubble. Uh, you know, they they're killing them all in RPI. Uh, they've got a higher strength of schedule, and they've they've done a good job of of winning some ranked games and and their loss. They don't have anything egregious in the loss column. So it's actually not a super strong case uh, in terms of hey uh, here, here's what we lay out. But I do think if you get the win over Florida State, you're going to add another ranked win to this schedule. I think that preponderance of kind of like 15 to 25 wins is going to be pretty good and you're not going to have any major losses uh, for sure if they obviously they beat Georgia Tech in round two of the SELC tournament they're in. Um, but I think a win over FSU does it. Yeah, I, I think I agree uh, with all that. I think uh, the other thing is, you know, I, I think that the good thing for them is I think they have a chance to really uh, bolster their, their resume. I think, like you said, Florida State. And then who knows what happens in the semifinals if they beat Florida State. Because the SELC is so deep, uh, you know, they have the chance to beat, you know, to rack up three uh, very, you know, high-ranked, you know, Florida State's top 20, I think. And then they play, the you know, uh, the winner of the Georgia Tech, uh, it's escaping me who Georgia Tech plays, but they have the, a chance to play, you know, Clemson, um, you know, so a top uh, three team in, in Georgia Tech. Uh, and then they have um, South Carolina and uh, who's on the other side? Um Liberty. Liberty. Yeah. So, I mean, they have the chance to, to stack up a couple more wins, but you know, that's to be determined if they actually do. I think they lose to Florida state. I think they're uh, for me, they're definitely out. Yeah. And the hard part is like, you look at this and you say, okay, uh, let's actually compare two teams. So let's say that it goes head to head between Virginia tech and Arizona. Arizona doesn't really have that great of wins either. You know, Arizona's got a win over Santa Clara, Washington, Michigan state, and grand Canyon. None of those are, are popping off the pages and they have a loss to, well, you say, okay, well, but Virginia tech lost to Michigan state and Arizona beat them. Yeah. Well, Arizona lost to Stanford and Virginia tech beat them. So I don't see a way that if it gets down to that, that you you take uh, Virginia Tech over or, or Arizona over Virginia Tech. 
So I think Virginia Tech is in a pretty good spot if they get one more win. And we'll probably touch on them more as we go through the rest of the teams here, but let's jump to the next team. Uh, let's talk about uh, Brigham Young. So this is a team that I think today is probably helped most by the, the news in that it feels to me like it kind of moved them almost off the bubble into the likely world. Uh, now, I'm going to say uh, the case for Brigham Young for me is you've got three good wins. You've got Arizona, who was a very good win. Uh, they hung around the whole day. Arizona losing to Grand Canyon in the tournament is probably not going to help that win stay top 15-ish. It's going to end up being outside of it. And now, uh, but you've got wins over Arizona, you've got wins over Grand Canyon, and you've got a win over Utah Valley. If you get one more win over Utah Valley, then you're in that range of having four top 15 wins. Um, and your losses are to nine, four, six, eight, and seven. So it's not like you have a lot of bad losses Except for, yeah. except for the UCSB loss. UCSB, uh, so yeah. now when you flip the script and you're like, okay, well, what's the case against against Brigham Young University? Well, okay, you lost to, to Santa Barbara and you're one of the only teams in the league that lost to Santa Barbara that is, is still ranked uh, this year. Um, and your wins don't look that great. Uh, you've got a Grand Canyon win that does look a little bit better, but it came at the expense of your Arizona win. Uh, and you've got Utah Valley who might drop. And if you beat them twice, they're going to drop even more. Maybe you're thinking Utah Valley's a 20-ish team. So you've got three top 25 wins and none of them are going to be top 15. Uh, that's not a lot of wins to hang your hat on. And if you're a selection committee who values winning over uh, just losing close, then uh, it's tough to make the case for them. Now, they do have a lot of close losses to good teams. Uh, you know, you lost to Colorado by one. You lost to Cal Poly by two. It's, uh, you know, Concordia by three. Concordia by three, yeah. So none, none, none of these games are blowouts, but you still don't have that win, the stamp on your resume and say, uh, hey, this is, this is the win that the selection committee's got to put us in on. Uh, so for me, I feel like BYU is in that no man's land of like, man, you better hope the selection committee likes what you do if you don't win the RMLC. Now, if they beat Utah Valley and they beat Colorado, no question, they're locked. Yeah, but if they if they I think that's the case for their them being a lock. If they lose Utah Valley though uh, on Friday, then I think they're definitely out. Yeah, um, it gets if, it gets tough because then you start to think maybe Utah Valley gets that spot. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I mentioned this with, with Virginia Tech, I think it's worth pointing out here is I think you know they have a very uh, hefty travel schedule. BYU did, and yeah, the only reason I bring that up with with Virginia Tech and with BYU is because the selection committee historically has put an emphasis on on traveling. And so if you if you travel more, not that it gets you in just for traveling, but you know if there's kind of a, a you know a tie or it comes down to two teams, uh, I think they do. Um, you know, try to incentivize teams to get out and to travel a little bit. Yeah, and let's say let's say that Grand Canyon can pull off the the huge upset and they win one more game in the SELC in the SLC tournament against I think Chapman. I think it is. Uh, yeah. It might be somebody else, but no, let's Chapman. say they pull that off and they, yeah. and then they get to the championship game and lose. While well, you're still sitting there uh, on the bubble, and now you're the only team that hasn't traveled. Uh, that could be a, a noose around their neck. Now, again, the, uh, part of the reason I start to feel really comfortable about BYU is again you're, you're saying, well, who are they going to go head to head against for that for that last spot? Well, it seems really likely that that team would be Arizona. Uh, and they've got that head-to-head win over Arizona and a significantly it, both teams have an unranked loss and then BYU's losses are you know quote-unquote better they're, they're, they're less bad losses they're all the top 10 teams where Arizona lost to 17 12 4 and 21 I just can't see a way that Arizona goes in over BYU uh, so I think that there's a lot of reasons that if you're BYU to think that one more win can get you in well, you mentioned Grand Canyon just now, and I think this is uh, – I had Grand Canyon as not a bubble team, but you bring up an interesting point. If they beat Chapman uh, this weekend, 
to get into the SLC SLC championship. Are they now a bubble team? And if so, um, would you take them over BYU, even though BYU has the four goal win at Grand Canyon? Yeah, uh, that's interesting. So I mean, that's, uh, that's because, because sudden, then you look at you look at you look at the comparative games. Well, UCSB uh, Grand Canyon has the win. Colorado State they both have wins. Concordia uh, Grand Canyon has a win. BYU has a loss. UNLV they both have wins. Arizona they both have wins. They uh, both Colorado, have losses to Cal they Poly. Have, they both have losses and, to Colorado, uh, yeah. Utah Valley, Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, I guess I guess they uh, Grand Canyon has a loss to Arizona as well as a win over him. So that that one's kind of split. Uh, but yeah, they kind of do. But they would have the win and against Chapman. I mean, that's a yeah. A the win against Chapman win right now. I the mean, win that, against Chapman would be pretty good, uh, yeah, and, and would potentially top, make their case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, so, so maybe, maybe you do keep Grand Canyon on the bubble, assuming they can beat the Grand Canyon. Uh, but man, that that noose of traveling, that noose around the neck. If it's neck and neck, and you're you're not sure who to take, BYU's got the head to head, and they traveled uh, significantly yeah. this year. It's going to be tough to take him even with I that have a win. hard time but, man, seeing two top 10 wins. But yeah, if, if they're able to beat Chapman, which again, I have a hard time seeing, um, especially with Chapman's kind of surging late in the year uh, or really since the middle of the season, I would, I think they'd be in that discussion. I have a hard time taking them out if they were able to beat Chapman. But. Yeah, and and we didn't even have Grand Canyon on our list of, of bubble teams we're talking yeah. about. But as you yeah. as you talk through, it's like yeah, why why not? Like maybe they should be on the bubble if they could beat uh, if they could beat a uh, Chapman in the tournament. So let's move on. I think there's kind of two teams or uh, three teams that we haven't really talked about yet. Arizona, we talked about uh, uh, quite a bit, but uh, one of the teams that I think is is we still just don't know that much about them is Connecticut. Um, and so they've got a big game coming up. It'll probably be tonight. I think is when, when you're listening to this podcast, fingers crossed, I get it edited quick. Uh, but they're a team that they have three, three ranked wins, but they're all kind of lower ranked wins. You have FSU, Northeastern Boston college, Boston college, isn't going to make their, their tournament. They, they lost to, they're going to lose the tiebreaker to Buffalo. So that, that loss may look a little bit, a uh, little bit worse, but they have a win over Buffalo to kind of even that out. And their only three losses are to Virginia tech, Liberty and Georgia tech. So, uh, two top all on the three road. teams. Yeah. yeah, all on the road, and th- they were two top, uh, two two top two teams and a top eleven team. Uh, so Connecticut, what do you think? What's the case for putting Connecticut in? Uh, or I guess maybe I'll put it this way: What does Connecticut have to do to get that last at large spot? Do you think they have to win tomorrow? Do you think they can lose tomorrow and beat MSU? Can they lose both games and still be considered? Uh, where do you think it, it ends up for Connecticut? Yeah, for me, I think they have to beat New Hampshire at some point because um, I'm assuming New Hampshire is going to get in the conference t- uh, championship. Maybe that doesn't happen, but I think if they if they um, if they lose New Hampshire and beat Michigan State, I think they're kind of in that that range of of you know a couple teams that beat Michigan State, Arizona's beat them. Um, so I think they're and and I don't see anything that really sells them for me over like an Arizona. Um, but if they're able to beat New Hampshire <clears throat> either tomorrow or sorry, uh, tonight, if you're listening on Tuesday, um, if you're able to beat New Hampshire then or in the conference championship, then, you know, absolutely. I think they get in. I just, I have a hard time like feeling like that Michigan state is good enough to, to, to know enough about them. Uh, I think, like you said, we kind of know the floor. I don't think we know the ceiling because they've, their three losses are all to top 10 teams. So uh, it's tough. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting if you pull up their record side to side, their wins with New Hampshire. Uh, their wins are actually pretty similar. Uh, New Hampshire has a win over number 19, 19 Clemson. 
<clears throat> that was a hiccup. Uh, a win over number 19, Clemson. A win over number 20, Boston College. And a win over number 24, Northeastern. Uh, Connecticut has a win over number 18, Florida State. Number 24, Northeastern. And number 20, Boston College. So very similar. The difference is that New Hampshire hasn't lost. But New Hampshire hasn't played any team that's near a Virginia Tech, Liberty, or Georgia Tech. So right. I think it, potentially it, you get a win over New Hampshire and they flip the script really quick. And New Hampshire's now on the bubble, uh, yep. you know, needing a couple conference wins to get in. So I wouldn't consider New Hampshire a lock by any means at this point. Uh, they're equally on the bubble, but if they can take care of business versus a Connecticut, uh, they start to look a lot more likely to get in, especially since they have no losses on the record right now. Uh, but their schedule has not been tough. Yeah, surprisingly, I have New Hampshire as a bubble team, and maybe we can just jump into New Hampshire. Um, I have them as a bubble team for all the reasons you just said, um, and I think uh, they have, you know, if they win one or two more games, they're a lock, uh, regardless of what happens in the tournament, uh, in their conference tournament. But um, until they beat Connecticut uh, on Tuesday night, uh, I, I really don't know if they're if they're really a lock. They lose that game and lose, you know, even in the conference championship i don't know if they if they get in so i think they're the biggest mystery of all the teams left just because they really haven't played um any great teams they've played good teams clemson florida colorado state boston college but uh buffalo but none of those teams for me have been like you know top 15 top 20 teams yeah and, and this is for me this is somewhere where uh you know you kind of look at rpi and it, there's a lot of faults to rpi but one of the things i really like about it is that it ranks every team top to bottom uh same with red rankings uh, unlike the top 25 poll 25 poll where if you're top 25 great we know what we, to think about you but if you're not then all of a sudden you're all in this lump of not top 25 teams all those teams aren't equal there are some good teams out there that they did beat you know they beat a florida they beat a colorado state they beat a buffalo that are all teams that are on the brink of being in top Top 25 that's different than walking over a bunch of cakewalk schools and so they do have a lot of good wins I, I think that even in the unranked column and they don't have any losses which strengthens their schedule but I think Connecticut and New Hampshire it's it's feasible to see you get both if they both make it to the conference championship um, but man it's a tough sell yeah, to, I have a hard time seeing, seeing both of them get in. I think, you know, both of them are too big of mysteries, and, and one of them has to lose on Tuesday night, um, and then they'll probably, you know, one of them, at least one, will have to lose in the, in the Converse tournament. So uh, right. unlikely for me to see both of them in. If, if um, they split it, that'd probably be the best-case scenario to get them both in, but then they'd both be at risk. Like, obviously, yeah. you'd get the AQ in, uh, but whoever would lose that championship game, I think they'd be uh, firmly on the bubble, if not on the, the bubble, uh, hedging kind of toward the outside of things. Yeah. Um, so let's jump on to another team that's going to play in the CLC tournament. So you're going to have three teams that are firmly on the bubble in it. Uh, and that's Michigan state, Michigan state, uh, kind of had the, the well publicized, uh, woes early in the season. They went out to California, lost to Chapman, lost to Concordia, then lost to Arizona, which kind of stands out as the outlier uh, game for them losing. Um, and since then they've lost to Liberty, Georgia tech, South Carolina, all good teams. Um, none of the games were particularly close. Um, but they did get a huge four-goal win over Virginia Tech, which is kind of like it stands out on their resume as the 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 signature win that some other teams maybe are missing. And they have a win uh, in the first game of the season over Minnesota. So, uh, Taylor, for you, you're, if you were going to make the case for Michigan State, what do they need to do and what would the case be to get them in? Can they yeah, get the in without the AQ? Yeah, I, I think they can. Uh, it's tough. Um, but I think they can. I think uh, the, for me, the biggest thing is the Arizona loss um, to Grand Canyon. Uh, I think uh, that drops Arizona for me um, because Arizona has some bad losses. You look at Michigan State, they have no bad losses and they beat Virginia Tech, which, 
Um, well, but I mean, Arizona's not a bad loss. They're, I mean, they're the 15 ish range. You look at Arizona, who's lost to Santa Clara. Oh, no, they beat Santa Clara. Um, they lost to USC. USC, Stanford. And Stanford. Um, you know, so, so those aren't great uh, in Grand Canyon. So to me, those are all worse losses than, than Michigan State. And I think Michigan State has the Virginia Tech win, which I think they're 11 or 12 in the poll. I, I have them as like a top 10 team. Um, maybe they're not, but I think that's a much better win than anything Arizona, um, BYU, uh, UConn uh, have right now. So um, yeah. for me, I think like I like the fact that they they won uh, that game, and then you know the very worst of their games uh, losses is to Arizona, which which is not a terrible loss, and the rest of them are all top ten teams. So um, yeah. I like the fact they went out there and played a really hard schedule, traveled a lot, played great teams. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, they, they lost and, and I, I wouldn't put them in if, if someone else was a 10 and three and had another top, t- uh, top 15 win, but I just don't see that team. Um, so for me, I, I, I like them. Uh, I think they have to have a good showing in their conference tournament. Um, they need I to think, beat UConn or the loser of the of the game tomorrow. UConn or UNH. Yeah, I think yeah. they probably need that to to really get in an at, a, a decent at large look. I think without that, they lose that first game. Uh, there's just the, going to be teams that take their spot. I'm pretty sure they'll get the buy, and uh, they're the one seed, I think, from the uh, SCLC. Yeah, sorry. West. So, so look at the, they'll get the winner of that, and I'm assuming that that would be UConn or UNH versus I think. Well, the, UNH is probably going to be the one seed. Maybe they get slipped. Oh out yeah, you're right. Seed. That's probably no, um, you're probably right. They're probably playing Northeastern or the winner of tomorrow's. Uh, sorry, the loser of tomorrow's game. Anyways, uh, I think they have to win one game. If they win one game, I think that puts them in a pretty good spot. That means they'd be in the SELC championship, sorry, CLC championship, too many acronyms. Um, and uh, that would give them another top 25 win um, with, again, uh, to me, no no really glaring losses. Yeah. Yep. I, I'd agree with that. And um, if, when you look at all the bubble teams, they're the only one with kind of like a signature win. Everything else has yeah. like these wins. You're like, yeah, they're okay. They have they have an okay win. Um, but but if you look at Michigan State, like wow, that four goal win over Virginia Tech is a signature win. So uh, I, I think that that is uh, l- like we said, if they can get one win, uh, that might be the type of thing that um, that w- could put them over the top. So whoever whoever ends yeah. up is the 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 second West team. So I do believe it's the loser of New Hampshire and Connecticut. I could be wrong on that, but I think it is uh, e- e- the loser of that game is going to play Buffalo, and the winner of that matchup will play gotcha. Michigan State. Buffalo, so Buffalo is a three seed. Yeah, Buffalo is the, the three the seed, East. and then Davenport yeah, yeah, yeah. is the second West, and Pitt is the third West. Gotcha. So I think yeah, the winner yeah. gets the one seed of the East, and the loser is the second seed of the East. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just going back to Michigan state, I, like, I, I think one of the big things that I've been hearing on, on Twitter and, and, you know, we've kind of discussed a little bit is, uh, there's this argument that Arizona should be in over Michigan state for the head to head. And, um, I've told you this before I, you know, I'm going to get on my soapbox and kind of complain about, um, I think head to head is great, but I think too often we put too much of an emphasis in head to head and really use it when it's like convenient for our arguments. Um, because, you know, you look at, and I think you mentioned this already, like Arizona lost to Stanford, um, who lost to, uh, Virginia tech. And so, you know, is, you know, who's better Arizona, or Virginia tech, well, Virginia tech lost to Michigan who lost to, to Arizona. So you have Michigan this big, yeah. uh, sorry, Michigan state. Yeah. This big sort of circular thing and, and, you know, who's on top. And so, um, I, I think it's, you know, we certainly can't ignore head to head, 
but uh, it's not as sort of black and white as Arizona beat Michigan State, so Arizona should be in before them. Because for me, I feel like the Arizona win over Michigan State was probably, I mean, I think that's Arizona at their peak. I mean, that's their best win um, on the on the season. And whereas that's Michigan's like lowest point, that's like their worst loss. And so it's it's you know it's it's not fair to cherry pick Arizona's best moment and say that's why they should be in over Michigan State at their worst moment uh, because you have that circular argument at some point. So um, well, I think I think the head to head comes into play if you look at two teams and you're like, man, these two teams are very equal. Uh, what can be what can be like the deciding factor? It's like, well, they've got the head to head win. Great, give them the nod. But I don't think if you lined up Michigan State and Arizona right now, there there's enough factors before you'd get to that. Wow, we need one more tiebreaker that would set Michigan State apart. Yeah. I think that they just get in over Arizona. Yeah. No, exactly. And that's, that's, that's a great way to put it. Cause I think too often we jump to the head to head first. And for me, it should really be like, you know, after we kind of bet the whole uh, body of work and then say, okay, yeah, we feel like these are pretty close. Um, but for me, those aren't the Arizona and Michigan state don't have the same body of work. Okay, so let's jump to let's jump to one last team here, uh, and, and there certainly could be other teams. I think Florida State's a team that, with a little bit of a run in the SC, uh, the SELC tournament, they could jump in. Clemson, let's say that Clemson beats Georgia Tech in the first round of the tournament. I think there's a lot of teams, bubble teams, that could emerge, but the ones that are obvious right now are kind of the ones we're talking about. But I don't think this is the entirety of the list. Uh, but let's talk about Utah Valley. So Utah Valley uh, is a team, like you mentioned, if there was a ten and three team out there yep. that maybe got yep. a top a top fifteen win that, that they they could do it. Well, Utah Valley's sitting in a spot where they're a 10 and three team uh, and they've got a chance to, to take a top 15 win from Brigham Young in the first round of the tournament. So uh, if UVU gets that win and then ultimately, or, Oh, I shouldn't say that word. I've been trying so hard not to say ultimately after our last podcast. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, let's say that, let's say that uh, they beat Brigham Young and lose to Colorado. Do you think UVU gets in uh, with the, the 10, they'd essentially be 11 and four at that point. Uh, would you put Utah Valley in? Uh, I think I would. Cause again, I mean, that's, I, I said 10 and three, not even thinking about Utah Valley. Uh, I was just kind of making up a, a record number, but I mean, that's, this is kind of the team that, that I would say like, yeah, if you get a top 15, top 15 win and you're 10 and three, I mean, I think you have a good, a good, uh, a good case for it. I mean, if you look at their, at their uh, resume, they don't have any bad losses. Um, they took care of business. I don't think they played a grueling schedule, but they also didn't play a cupcake schedule. You know, they played Arizona state, they played grand Canyon, uh, the Colorado and Colorado state and BYU. Um, you know, so that would give them a 10 and they'd be 11 and three with a win over a top, um, you know, we'll say 15 uh, team and maybe BYU would drop or something, but you know, it's a top 15 ish win. Uh, and then they'd only have lost to uh, Arizona State, who's top five, Colorado, who's seven-ish, um, you know, and, and then they've split to top 15 teams. So for me, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're in the bubble. And I think, um, you know, you kind of need to see how the – I think for me, I don't know if I would put them in there, but I think they would be in uh, on the bubble. And I think you'd have to kind of see where all these other teams do. You know, Virginia Tech loses to Florida State, if UConn – you know, drops two, then I think, yeah, all of a sudden they could be, uh, get some help. So um, I would put them on the bubble if they can beat BYU. If they lose to BYU, I don't think there's a chance, but if they beat BYU, they can get in with help from some other schools. Yeah, I think UVU, I, I've been obviously praising UVU a lot on, on Twitter this year. Uh, and I think most of my praise comes from where they came from last year to where they are this year. Um, 
I don't think that they actually have like a stellar, a bulletproof resume this year. They have one win over Grand Canyon. That's a ranked win. Everything else is, is an unranked kind of relatively average win. You know, Texas A&M spent some time in the top 25, Colorado State has spent some time in the top 25 and your two losses to Arizona State and Colorado, they weren't close. It wasn't like they barely lost these games. Arizona State won by 11, Colorado won by nine. Those games aren't close. Your only close loss is to, to BYU who you lost to in overtime. But if you beat BYU, it seems like you're going to go head to head with BYU in the selection committee's mind. And your resumes actually start to look pretty similar minus the Arizona game. You both have wins over Grand Canyon. You would have split wins over each other. And then you have BYU has the Arizona win. But does that outweigh uh, the bevy of losses that BYU has versus the lack of another uh, top win for Utah Valley? And I don't know. I, both teams traveled a lot this year. They both checked the box in that regard. Uh, they would both have a, a you know two, two ranked wins. That, uh, BYU... Uh, for Utah Valley, it'd be over Grand Canyon and BYU. And then you're saying, how much do you value that Arizona win? And is it does it make up for you know four additional losses and or I guess three additional losses and uh, an unranked loss to UCSB? That's where I could see, yeah, that's where I could see you the selection committee going with Utah Valley over BYU. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, you know again that uh, UCSB loss for me is the is the killer. Um, you know, UVU doesn't have a, a grueling schedule like you just pointed out, but they took care of business against everybody. Um, if I think if BYU had not lost UCSB, then you know even even if they split, I, I'd have a hard time saying yeah, give it to to UVU. Um, but that that one loss, I think, puts it puts it in a tough spot to say uh, their resume is a lot better. So here's here's where this ends at then. Of all the teams that we've talked about, assuming that everybody else above them is a lock or a likely. So that would be California, Georgia Tech, Chapman, Arizona State, Liberty, South Carolina, Colorado, Cal Poly, and Concordia. That is a total of nine teams. You have then two AQs that would be outside the top 25, UMLC and the LSA. So that would take you up to 11. You're talking about five of the teams we've talked about today getting spots. That's kind of most of them. Like there's only going to be a handful of teams in this discussion that are left out. Um, and, and I think for me, it seems like Arizona is really likely going to be that uh, uh, one of those teams that's going to be left out. And then there's only maybe one or two more that's going to be left out from this discussion today. So the bubble, like while there are a lot of teams there, it doesn't feel like there's a lot that are going to be left home from this discussion. Only a handful of teams uh, are, are going to be left home because that extra spot opened up for the AQ. So I think a lot of teams are talking about today, like they, they get one more win and they're probably going to be in uh, because it just, it, it opened up quite a bit with that extra AQ spot. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, those, I think we listed seven teams and so we're going to pick five of the seven, um, you know, BYU, Utah Valley play on Friday. So the winner of that one, uh, UConn and Michigan state, will likely maybe play, but UConn and New Hampshire definitely will play. Uh, so the winner of that one will bump the other one out. So I think by Friday night, we should have a good idea, unless Florida State, uh, Clemson, or Grand Canyon, who we've mentioned all of those, but maybe not as bubble teams, can can cause some uh, you know, some havoc uh, in, in their commerce tournament. So that's that's what I'm hoping for, uh, not because I want to see those teams win or other teams lose. I just like it's seeing just things get – Make yeah, Sunday night fun. more exciting. Exactly. So um, I'm hoping for Florida State, Clemson, or Grand Canyon, if any of you guys are listening, uh, to have pulled the upsets and just, just make things uh, a little bit crazy. Uh, but outside of those three teams pulling the upsets, uh, it's going to be, I think, pretty straightforward, I think, um, you know. 
Yeah, I'm and you never know. Like last year, I well, last year when I was doing my bracketology, I just had I had had dismissed Georgia Tech as the team to be in, and I was, and the year before it was, I think it was. Or maybe it was Cal last year too, but there were a couple teams that I just dismissed and out no, of the blue selection committee. Oh yeah, Cal, Cal won. Yeah, their, they so, won their AQ. So it was Georgia yeah. Tech was the last team in. Um, and then a couple years ago, it was Florida State with the whole incident where they got uh, you know pseudo suspended. But I thought Florida State should have made it. They ended up not making it. It's tough to predict exactly what the selection committee is going to value and how they value it. So this is more of our view from this, with the caveat of. Who knows what the selection committee decides? Maybe they like Florida State, even with a loss to Virginia Tech over a BYU. Maybe they really punish those those unranked losses that they have, and and a team ends up out that we didn't expect. And that's kind of where the selection committee throws all this into to havoc, and we don't have a clear view. It's not like the M, uh, the NCAA prediction where they're leaning heavily on RPI. Uh, they're just they they have a lot more autonomy in the decisions they make, which means that Sunday night, regardless, is going to be really uh, exciting slash stressful for all the teams that are on the bubble. Yeah, I think uh, along that point, I think it'll be interesting to see if something like that happened. Um, I think, well, I guess it'll just be interesting to see how the selection committee values or or maybe punishes um, those losses to like unranked teams because you know we've listed a couple of of teams that have those, and I think um, it'll be interesting to see if you know if they're left out. I think that will be the the big reason. So I'm interested to kind of see how they how they uh, handle some of those unranked losses and and what gets kind of justified. Cool. Well, we've hit our 45-minute mark. I think uh, unquestionably we'll be back next week talking about how the bracket actually shook out, uh, what the seeding is, and since the tournament's in Salt Lake, we'll be at the tournament uh, at a ton of these games. We'll get a chance to see you guys. So we probably have at least one or two more podcasts coming. But we appreciate you guys staying tuned. Keep the uh, activity coming on Twitter. We appreciate uh, the discussion and the uh, the comments that are that are frequently sent our way. It's always good to think about things in a different view from what we have. So if you have thoughts and you disagree strongly with us, uh, come to Twitter and uh, we'd be happy to chat with you guys. So uh, for for myself and for Taylor Red, uh, we'll we'll bid you adieu until next time. All right, Taylor, isn't that French? You were there. I, I don't know. I didn't speak anything. I just pointed at what I wanted and asked. And agree that that that. Did you learn how to say fire? <laughs> no, I no.